Yeah, let me turn uh, with you to Luke chapter 3, and I'm going to be preaching from verse 17 to 18, but uh, let me begin reading at the beginning of the chapter to give the whole context. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Italy and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight. And the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham, for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics uh, is to share with him that has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. Lord, we come to you this morning because we long to hear your word, to understand what you are saying to us. Lord, we ask that your spirit, who is spoken of in this passage, would open your word to us. Help us to see who Christ is, and help us to trust in him and to know him better because of this passage that is before us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This passage comes after the familiar passages about uh, that we read at Christmas time. 
And at Christmas time, we are thinking of Advent. We are thinking of the coming of Christ that is spoken of in, in, uh, in Luke as he, as he talks about Jesus being born. John is, is also someone focused on the advent of Christ. Uh, his calling, as uh, Isaiah speaks of, is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And the Lord comes in the person of Christ, the Messiah, the, the sent one, the anointed one. So we have this focus on the coming of Christ and his advent. But John also is, is anticipating what we think of now as the second coming of Christ, his second advent. Because John saw those things as, as one, he saw the day of judgment coming, and therefore hearts, the hearts of the people needed to prepare for the coming of the holy God to be among them. Uh, every every uh, uh, valley needed to be filled in, every, every mountain made low, and, and hearts needed to pre- be prepared because they were going to see the salvation of God. They were going to see the day of judgment coming. So John is very focused on, on Jesus coming, uh, but John is not making the distinction that we can make looking back and that Jesus opened up to us, that Jesus came the first time with a certain purpose and also will be coming with a second time with a different sort of a purpose. Those two purposes fit together very well, but, but John himself later in, in Jesus' ministry, when John was imprisoned by Herod, he sent his disciples and said, are you really the one coming or should we expect someone else? Because John was anticipating uh, Jesus coming with his winnowing fork in his hand. He was going to clear out God's people and uh, he was going to punish those who did not repent, those who didn't respond to John's preaching, preparing the way for him to come. And John sees instead Jesus doing acts of mercy and healing the sick and preaching good news to people. He doesn't see the judgment that he anticipated in his own mind uh, because some of that is coming later. So how are we to understand? uh, How are we to live uh, with Jesus having come the first time and anticipating his coming the second time? Well, the things that John says here are going to help us to understand how to live in that period of time. How to understand that Jesus came uh, to, to change our hearts, to receive that judgment upon himself on the cross, and also that Jesus uh, came to prepare our hearts uh, for his coming again and receiving us uh, to himself or judging those who have rejected him. In this first verses from verse 7 to 9, we can see that John preached a baptism of repentance. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of come to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus, uh, John sees these people coming to him, and his welcoming message was, you children of snakes, uh, what a welcome. Uh, they must have felt really warm in their hearts to hear this coming from John. Why does John use this imagery? Well, I think John is thinking back to that serpent of serpents, the devil himself. And, and he's saying to people, you're, you're acting as though you were children of the snakes. And even though you're coming out to me, 
Are your hearts really changed? Or are you just like the snakes hiding in the grass? And when the grass catches on fire, they all flee. They're running away from the fire. But where are they going? They're just escaping from the flames. There's no real change. What is repentance that John is talking about? Well, repentance is, com- is a complete about face. Repentance is not just an adjustment of, our, of the direction we're going. Uh, you don't get a self-help book and, uh, and say, well, uh, this is how I've been organizing my schedule, but now I'm going to organize my schedule differently. Or I've been kind of becoming a hoarder, and now I'm going to go through and decide how much affection I have for each object and throw some things out and get rid of them. I'm, I'm going to adjust my course. Repentance is not an adjustment, of course. Uh, Repentance is a complete about-face. And the thing you're turning away from is sin and the pattern of sin in your life. And the thing you're turning toward is toward God. So if if there's a turn from something, but it doesn't end up facing God and following after God, it's not really repentance. It's just Self-help, it's just adjustment in the path of your life. You think of somebody and you say, well, she used to be such a flirt and she just always had to have a guy and, and she just was always this, this way. And, and then she met this guy and they got married and she settled down and she's such a devoted wife and mother and, and she's just become a different person. Well, unless she has turned to God and that's what has brought it about and that's the focus of her life now it's not really a repentance it may be a welcome change but it's not really repentance or somebody else you say he just was prone to trouble he was making bad decisions he was getting into things all the time and and then the police picked him up and he spent a night in jail and he saw things and he learned things and he changed and he got a good job and his boss has been a real mentor investing in his life and he's hanging out with the right people, and he's just going the right direction now. And it's just a welcome thing. Well, it's a welcome change, and we're very glad for those things, but it wouldn't be called repentance unless it has turned to God, because that's the the opposite of sin. We had someone who, and they said, I realize I've made a lot of poor choices, and bad decisions and, and I regret some of the things that I've done and I'm, I'm looking for good advice and I'm starting to read some good books and, and uh, things like that and, and we were telling someone else about this and, <clears throat> and they said, well, that's real repentance, isn't it? But there wasn't actually a turning to God that was kind of exploring should God be part of my life. There wasn't really a turning to God fix myself up and, and make some changes and try to make some good decisions and, and cut myself off from some bad decisions. But it wasn't a turning to God. So though the changes can be welcome, John would say it's not really repentance unless it's, less it's turning from those things to God. Sometimes the things that may seem like good changes in our lives It's just snakes crawling out of the grass and fleeing away from the fire. 
Uh, they're going to what they think is a safe place, but they're not turning to God. A lot of John's listeners would say, well, repentance is something for the Romans. They need that. The Gentiles need repentance, but we're children of Abraham. And, but John says to them, um, do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. We don't get John's play on words here to, that he uses to emphasize these things uh, because to, uh, he's talking about uh, children compared to stones. Can children come from stones? But what he says is more like God can make stock come from the rock or God can create bones out of these stones. Uh, he's, he's playing on the words there to help them to realize you have this claim of being children of Abraham, but God can make better, better bones out of these stones than you are. He can make those who follow him children out of the rocks that stand around you. Don't, com don't, com uh, don't claim that because we belong to Abraham, we don't need repentance. But just as much as anyone else, you need repentance if you were to follow Christ. Repentance is really a new life. And John answers their question by, by, uh, uh, about what repentance should look like by saying it's a change in the things that you do. It's not that you change what you do so that God will accept you. If I do these things, then God will make me one of his children. But John is pointing out that if God has made you a new child, just like he could do even with these stones, then that new child in, in belonging to God is going to have a change in behavior. And in fact, they demonstrate that by saying, uh, like in verse 10, uh, the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? Uh, if God has changed our hearts, what are we going to do? Baptism in John's day, until John came and preached, was something that would happen to Gentiles. If a Gentile wanted to follow the way of, of Judaism and follow the true God, then he would be baptized to be washed from his his pagan background and brought in to the family of God into the Jewish nation and so these Jews would say why should we need to repent and be baptized we're not Gentiles we're not foreigners to God's people we are God's people John would say John says to them you need a change of heart because it's a new heart that God gives to you that's going to make you one of God's people uh, not, it's not just the Gentiles who need conversion. It's you yourselves who need conversion. For all of us who are Gentiles um, ethnically, that also is a sign of hope that we have the same opportunity to come and to belong to God's uh, people, uh, to come and, and be marked by baptism as, as having a changed heart, that the outward sign of baptism would show that God is made an inward change in our heart. What does that godly fruit of, of being baptized, of having a changed heart, of being a repentant person, what does that look like? 
The crowds ask him, what then shall we do? And also two specific groups, uh, the tax collectors and the soldiers who were there. Well, for one thing, a changed heart shows generosity. Instead of, uh, instead of uh, uh, always striving for other things to fill the emptiness in our lives, God has filled that emptiness. And, and it demonstrates itself in the fact that the things that we have are not as important to us as they used to be. Um, we, we are willing to use those for the sake of others. So the crowds, all the, the general people who were there, said, what should we do? And John answers, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food should do likewise. Uh, instead of our life consisting of what we wear and what we have to eat, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, instead we know that God has provided those things. And we can afford to give them away because God will provide and, and give us more of what we need it. We're no longer afraid for those things. If you think of it in terms of the Ten Commandments, uh, we're following after God the first commandments and making him first in our lives. And he's provided for us. We know he is trustworthy. We know he is our God. We know we belong to him, not because of our own righteousness, but because of our changed hearts. And therefore, the other commandments become easier uh, because we're no longer... Um, anxious about what we have, that we don't have to lie to get more, we don't have to steal, we don't have to hate and, and even murder to get what we need. James in chapter 4, uh, we already used James on our confession of sin, uh, he, he points out that, the, that our hearts uh, long after these other things, and he says, where do the quarrels and the fights come among you? It's because you're not content with what you have. And you long to have more to heap it on your own pleasures, your own desires. And so you lie and you cheat and steal and you hate and you even, you even murder. All these things are motivated by your unchanged hearts. John says, <clears throat> uh, when your heart is changed, uh, your attitude toward all these other things change. And you see someone else who doesn't have a tunic and instead of thinking, well, look at me, I have two tunics, you say, oh, well, I have two. Why don't I give him the extra? There's two particular groups that, that ask these questions of John. People who have jobs that have put them in difficult situations. The tax collectors, uh, hated by so many people, um, they made up for their, their social unacceptability uh, by becoming rich because of the opportunities in their work. And the soldiers, these Roman uh, soldiers who were policing a land that wasn't their own, uh, they were resented, uh, they were uh, uh, avoided by other people, uh, but they could always get what they wanted because they had a sword and they had the authority of Rome behind them. And so they could extort money from people. Uh, Unless you give me this, I'm going to throw you into jail. Uh, they got uh, finances in place of respect. And to both of them, John says, be content with your wages. Be content with what is you are entitled to. And don't, uh, don't push your weight around and don't abuse your position. Oftentimes, uh, being repentant is not a matter of changing the job we have or the position we have, but looking for ways in which 
we can serve others because our heart's been changed. In Matthew chapter 25, of that scene of the judgment where uh, Jesus is dividing the sheep from the goats, um, the sheep, those who had followed him, uh, uh, Jesus says, welcome into my kingdom because uh, when I was poor, you gave me something to wear or something to eat. Or when I was in prison, you visited me, you gave a cup of cold water in my name. And they say, did we do that? I don't remember that. Uh, they weren't doing it to try to impress Jesus, but it was a demonstration of their changed hearts. And the goats, those who were condemned by Christ, they say, well, if we had known that that's what we needed to do to get into heaven, we would have done it. Um, but the reality is their hearts were never changed. They only wanted to use good acts to manipulate God and to get what they wanted. In a way, they were like the tax collectors and the soldiers. They would use the opportunities they had to manipulate uh, whatever was around them to get what they wanted. Where's your heart? Is it a repentant heart that's turned away from those things and has turned to God? Or are you still somewhere out there trying to self-correct, uh, doing the self-help approach and trying to improve your life and be better organized and a better friend and a better conversationalist and all those things that we try to do to ourselves, but we're not focused on God and what would please God and has God really changed my heart? John goes on to uh, deal with the question that they ask. Uh, they hear his preaching. They see that, that uh, they listen to what he's saying, that, that the Christ is coming, that God's presence is going to be with them. And they ask the natural question as the people, verse, um, uh, what is this, verse 15 as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, an outward sign, but he who is mightier than I is, am coming, is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am, not un, I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John says, I'm just the herald. I've come to announce the king is coming. But he is, he is far more worthy than I am. If you think I'm a messenger from God and maybe the Christ, you can, cannot imagine how much greater the real Christ is whom I'm announcing. It was said that um, rabbis at that time uh, their disciples would be willing to do anything for their master, anything for the rabbi in order to learn from him, anything but on taking care of their sandals. That was too beneath them, too demeaning. John says, I'm not even worthy to do this most demeaning task and to untie his sandals and wash his feet. The act of a slave the act of the lowest servant is something that is beyond my value. John says, my baptism is just an outward sign. All I can do is splash water on you because I believe to the best of my observation that you have a repentant heart. And this demonstrates to other people that 
It shows that you have a repentant heart. It's the same thing that happens in a church. Um, the elders examine someone, an adult, um, who wants to be baptized to understand, does this person really understand the gospel? Or are they really trusting in Christ? Or are they maybe just putting on a good show for everyone else? Or these parents who are bringing their child, are they really trusting that this child needs uh, the grace of God in their lives? Or do they just believe he's so cute, we want him up front where everybody can see what a cute baby we have? Uh, John says, all I can do is, to the best of my understanding, see that you are a repentant person, and I ought to throw water on you and baptize you so that people will see uh, the, the change that you want to display to them. But John says, this one coming, this one whose sandals I can't even touch, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In John's mind, that fire is the fire of judgment, and Jesus is going to come, uh, and he's going to wipe out the evildoers. That's why they need to repent before that day. John couldn't understand that Jesus had even more that he was going to do than, than John could imagine. John, uh, Jesus was coming to do the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. And so this inner work of, of God's Spirit in their hearts to change their heart, that was the work of Christ that he was going to do. And the judgment that, that John was anticipating, uh, the fierceness of that judgment was going to fall on Christ himself. That that, that, uh, that winnowing, that separating of those who, who were following after God because they'd repented, and those who had not turned to God, that Jesus was going to take that upon himself. That the change in their hearts could not really come unless someone stood in their place. Uh, Jesus knew in his ministry that people needed to be purified as children of Abraham. And he was going to do that. He was going to make it possible for us, even as Gentiles, to be adopted into God's family and made children not of, not of snakes, not of the devil himself, but children of God Almighty accepted into his family, and he was going to make that possible by going to the cross and taking God's judgment on, on himself. Uh, he was going to crush the serpent's head, the father of those snakes. He was going to crush his head on the cross uh, by taking the, 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 um, uh, taking the force, the, the best that, that the devil could bring against him. He was going to defeat the devil's power and set us free from being his slaves and following after him and being sons of snakes. Um, Jesus was going to, to pour out his spirit on us. Uh, as, as God himself, he could pour out his spirit on his disciples, on, on the day of Pentecost, on us, to bring change in our heart that we cannot bring ourselves. And yes, one day he is coming again uh, with his winnowing fork in his hand. And he will go to the place where the chaff is separated from the wheat. And he'll, he'll, he'll toss the, the lot of it up into the air and the wind will blow the chaff away. And it will be gathered up and burned. 
and the, and the grain will come into his barn. Those of us who have trusted in Christ will be brought into his barn and into his heavenly kingdom. We will rejoice with him. We will be forever with the Lord. And those who have said, no, I can do this myself. Uh, all I need is a little adjustment in my life. I just need to sort through my things. I just need to change some of my decisions. I need to, to go in a different direction and adjust that myself. Uh, they will be considered the chaff in that day. It's a hard message to hear. It's one we don't want to hear. But it's also good news because we know that God is, his primary purpose is to make us his own and not to condemn us. So that's why in the last verse that I read, uh, it says, so with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. Judgment is actually good news because it brings us to make the decisions that we need to follow after Christ and not just follow our own way, our own little adjustments in our lives. The message of judgment is good news when God turns us from sin to himself. Jesus is the one who took God's judgment on himself so that we might walk in a new life, that door would be open to us. When we think of, of baptism, we think of it as a, as a sign of, of an outward sign that God has brought us into his family and made us part of his family. And even coming to communion is knowing that being brought into his family, he now invites us to sit down at the meal and eat together and, and to be in fellowship uh, with, with Christ in that meal. All these things are reminders to us of what John has come to preach, that the outward sign of baptism is, is to, to be a sign of the inner change that God has brought into our hearts. And the fellowship that we have, that, that simple bread and wine together is a reminder that God nourishes and cares for us because we're no longer broods of vipers. We're children of the living God. And these are the things that remind us also of the anticipation of his coming again, his second advent, when he will complete that work and when we can be welcomed into his barn uh, as his children and belong to him. Let me close in prayer. Father, as we come to you, we recognize how much we are in need of your change in our lives. Lord, we repent of our uh, always trying to just adjust our lives a little bit to clean them up for others to see and not necessarily to be willing to change our, ourselves at the heart level. But Lord, you demand a radical change in us, a 180-degree change. And we pray, O oh Lord, that that work would be ongoing in our hearts that we wouldn't consider repentance something that we did back when we were 16 or 25 or 47, but something that we need to do on a daily basis. Oh Lord, by your Spirit, by the work of Christ in us, continue to change us. And where we have not really done that yet, oh Lord, do that radical work in our hearts. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.